Shall we do a quick introduction and then Rafe Blanford needs to go back and run the world. We've got 13 minutes by your reckoning, Rafe. So who's going to do the intro this week? I'll do it. Okay. Good volunteering. And you're just going to look up what season this is. 28. This is another reason you should buy the uh, MX keys is it's backlit. That's why we can see you. You have been getting creepier and creepier by the moment. Yes. It looks like you're in some kind of um, self-shot horror movie at the moment. Yeah. Blair Witch, Ben. Welcome to 361, a weekly podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name's Ewan McLeod. I'm Rafe Blanford. And I'm Ben Smith. This is season 18, episode one. And this week I've socially distanced, we've kitted out our home offices, and we talk about Disney+. Plus. chaps how are you doing i'm good thank you subdued yeah and me too hello excellent well welcome back yes in the midst of the coronavirus you and mcleod has taken social distancing to an extreme where are you speaking to us from this evening you and mcleod hello i'm live coming at you from oman muscat oman muscat oman did that surprise you yeah. Well, that's what Rafe and I said when we tried to work out whether or not the internet would stretch that far to record this show. That's old oh, man. <laughs> and it does. It's really good, isn't it? Yeah, that's excellent. Great throughput. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm very Can much you enjoying- hear me? I mean, I, I can't hear Blanford. Did he say something? I still can't hear him, but you're, you're coming through well. Thank you much. Rafe Blanford, you're subdued this evening. I'm just uh, sitting in my flat in London. I mean, enjoying my, I guess, fourth week of uh, isolation and it's a whole new world and i think actually i'd start by saying i hope everyone's staying safe out there because obviously yeah it's a big change we're going to talk a little bit about some of the impact of that but also want to provide the usual i was going to say light relief that we aim for on 361 podcast but i think it's it's fair to say that's an ambition we don't always deliver on it's that. not light relief it's winding blandford up quietly absolutely yeah it's gonna be hard to say anything that makes the bad bits better and i think it's also going to be hard to say anything original about like what people are going through at the moment. So we're going to talk about the stuff we always talk about and we'll reference mm. coronavirus if we have to, when we have to. It's going to feature quite heavily, I think, in this week's show. It's taken us a little while to get back recording. Mm. You as Chase Countries and you, and we'll talk about why you are in Amman in a minute. Like sure. you're not there on holidays, are you? This is permanent now. No, but it does feel like that in the context of the lovely weather. I'll tell you more about that. You treat most of your work like a holiday anyway, having worked <laughs> with you. So it's uh, hard to tell. Thanks for that. We'll touch on that stuff. And uh, yeah, we've been away for a while and it's, we've just uh, taken some time to get ourselves organised. But uh, we got used to sitting in three different rooms entirely on our own anyway. So podcasting probably... <laughs> There's no difference. <laughs> probably coronavirus friendly, apart from the fact that I've had to go downstairs and issue threats. If you flush the toilet in the next half an hour, I'm coming for you. So Oof. there's a small child in our house who now understands about keeping entirely quiet. Yeah. It's nice to see you both. Rafe, I suppose after the debacle with the chief medical officer in Scotland, you decided not to go to your second home in the country just because that tends to get you sacked these days. Mm. It's probably easier if I just say yes, Ben, at this point, isn't it? I just had visions of you gambling around the Blanford estate, broadly unaware that out there in the rest of the world, you know, there was a virus, you know, sort of blissfully unaware. <laughs> well, let's leave the uh, Blanford estate where it belongs in the fond recesses of your imagination. I thought it was in Sussex, but <laughs> I suppose much the same thing. Okay, let's move on. Yes. Welcome back. As ever, we're making this sharp as we go along a little bit at the moment. We haven't got the same kind of plan of content as we would normally because everything's been up in the air recently. So mm. I'd open up the usual invitation that we love to talk about things that you're interested in hearing about. So yes. reach out to us, 361podcast.com. There you can email us. There you can submit a contact form or you can get us 361podcast on Twitter. Please let us know what you'd like to hear about. We're up for questions. We're up for challenges. We're up for please say more about previous stuff. I've got a couple of those mm. stashed away for later in the season. Some people have been in touch asking for more stuff about home networking, and we talked about that stuff mm. last season, and a few people asking for follow-ups on other topics. So I have collected those together. We're not going to talk about them this week, but please do get in touch and let us know. Anyways, you and McLeod, before we crack into the show proper, give us yes. 30 seconds on why you're in Amman, and potentially as well, why I've bothered to Skype you so that I can see the back of your boom arm of your microphone rather than your actual face. Well, it's because I've got you on the big screen. 
That's why. Big screen. Okay. Uh, okay. I'll turn this way, but then I'm not looking at the microphone, which Mark has been very clear about. You know, we have to yes. do things properly. I am Inno Man. I have a new role. I am Chief Transformation Officer at a local financial player. So last time we talked to you, you were leaving Denmark and That's I correct. Think you were heading back we to the UK. We recorded back in the UK. We were back in the UK, right? We did some episodes while I was in the UK. Uh, now, a uh, family, we've moved out to Oman. We have our place now in Muscat, and it's a fabulous country. Highly recommended once everything opens up again. It's uh, gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Wonderful place, wonderful place. Now, it's not hot yet. It's about to get, I'm told, very hot. Now, I went out today, drive to the office. I had a, a particular requirement to be in the office. Financial services is an essential service, as you have been hearing, I'm sure. And it was 39 degrees in the car. Quite hot. 39 degrees centigrade. I'm told that is nothing. Right. I've been telling all of my local Omani colleagues, look, bring on the heat. And they go, yeah, yeah, no, you don't mean that. Do they know that Scottish people melt in anything above 27? Well, I just, yeah, but hold on. But Scottish people also absolutely adore the sun and the palm trees and everything. So I, I'm just, I can't get enough of it. It's wonderful. Wonderful. You're outside with your tinnies, are you? Uh, no. No. I'm just permeating a horrible stereotype. <laughs> I'm outside with my sparkling Perrier. Ben, it's not tinnies, it's iron brew. Iron brew, that's... No, I haven't found any iron... There is apparently a place that does sell iron brew. I haven't found it yet. We did a planning call. I know this doesn't sound planned, that's because it isn't, but we did a planning call with you and and, uh, for reasons beyond me, because we planned a planning call, he was walking around the local supermarket. So we got a guided tour of an (laughs) Imani supermarket and live coverage of whether or not it had uh, iron brew. So I feel this could potentially be the new what's the weather in Denmark it's dark because I can see that you're in an entirely windowless room, so you can't even tell us what the weather's like except no, hot. There's a patio door here. I didn't show you that. No, ah. it's, it's all right, Ben. There's room for a spin off podcast. <laughs> a spin off <laughs> podcast where you, you and describes the predictable temperature. Also, we need to have a quick conversation about podcast friendly time zones as well because you're now. It's a bit easier, isn't what, it? Three hours ahead of us, which makes recording uh, interesting to say the least. Uh, okay. Yeah. Essentially, I need you just to be somewhere in the GMT zone. So your choices are most, you know, sort of South Africa. South Africa, right. Okay. Okay. Sort of okay. bits of France. Thank you. We need to have a chat about that. Yeah. Anyways, let's stop waffling. Let's move on to first topic. Rafe Blanford. We wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. How are you guys? The audience, I'm sure, would like to know, how are you both? Don't care. Rafe Blanford, how are you? I care about you. <laughs> well, I think I answered that. I'm doing well under the circumstances. And on a serious point, kind of appreciating how fortunate I am to be able to kind of isolate and work from home very easily, keeping busy. And uh, we're going to talk about some of the things that we've been doing, I think. So I'll try not to spoil the rest of the episode. Are you eating properly? Yes, because I am eating three meals a day because I try to take a break in the middle of the day to have lunch. Not with complete success, just in case any of my colleagues are listening to this and email in and dog me in it. And yes, to sort of have a sort of two or three weeks supply of food in the fridge which is a bit unusual for me because most of the time it's much more kind of every couple of days and things like that so yes changing lifestyle in general but keeping very busy and keeping focused you do look a little bit chiseled and how about you ben uh, sorry, wait, wait a minute have you been doing joe wicks uh, uh moving on how about you ben? <laughs> i'm good thank you so i'm on a planned break between jobs at the moment we were supposed to be in australia on the holidays at the moment and that hasn't oh. happened unfortunately so we're at home, but that's given me the opportunity to homeschool my child, which I would say is yet one more thing I've discovered I'm not able to do effectively. <laughs> so this has been a deep learning experience for me. And certainly client number one has been very full in his criticism and <laughs> he's provides adequate feedback. So the three of us are at home at the moment. My wife's working from home like Rafe. She's got a job where she can just sort of, you know, keep going. She can work remotely quite effectively. So she's stashed away upstairs and I'm looking after the little boy in the daytime, but I've realised that it, uh, well, it can be quite a challenge, but we've also had quite a bit of fun as well. So um, mm, that's great. something we might do in a week or two's time is gather some feedback from 361 listeners who are not necessarily either working from home or having a break while furloughed, but actually are looking after family and keeping children interested as well, because uh, that mm. is uh, an incredibly challenging topic, explaining to them what's going on, but then also finding uh, interesting activities. Certainly, I now firmly believe that all teachers should be paid a million pounds a week because uh, <laughs> it's the hardest job and the worst paid job I've ever done in my entire life. <laughs> and by worst paid, I mean nothing, not even gratitude. Yeah. Anyways, we should move on. We'll touch on those subjects a bit more as we go. And again, we'd love to know how you guys are getting on. Please write in, yes. let us know tips, how things are at home, 
Mm. What challenges have you got? Is there any topics that we could talk about or any questions you'd like to ask other listeners for uh, suggestions or recommendations? Let's consult the hive mind to deal with any uh, coronavirus slash being at home challenges. Mm. Okay, but first up, Rafe Blanford, I wanted to hear from you how you were getting on. We Just before we started recording, you said that you'd obviously been working from home and that your job lent itself to working from home. You, as long as you had a laptop and an internet connection, you could crack on and be productive. But you were saying that there was a bunch of stuff that you'd done to make it less temporary and easier to work from home. Yeah, it was a really interesting kind of realisation that as you were settling in for the long haul, rather than just doing it in the evenings or the occasional working from home day, that the priorities started shifting and what you wanted to do to be comfortable changed. And so, I mean, there's a number of things I could talk about, but it's from the, the real basics, like having a laptop stand so you can elevate the laptop and then realizing that actually being on a, even a, a bigger screen laptop, you know, 15 inches, was frustrating when you were trying to get multiple things done when you're on video calls and wanted to have multiple things on the screen at the same time. So I think my top purchase has actually been an external monitor. Ooh. I always used to like work on a desktop with multiple monitors, but more recently have just been pretty much completely laptop bound, you know, moving around offices, being in clients' offices, things like that as well. So I bought myself a 4K monitor. Ooh, tell us more. Mostly because I got used to the retina resolution. So trying to use a lower resolution monitor felt like a bit of a chore. And as I say this, I realise... You're doing a Ben Smith, were you? Yes. Can I just pause you there? So I think several years ago, I said that I was never going to look at a non-retina screen again because it all felt a bit blurry and low res. And you mocked me for A, saying retina, Mm. because it was an Apple branding term. And then you mocked me for being so pedantic and precious. And here we are. I'm just an early adopter. I was, yeah, mm-hmm. I was rather hoping you would forget that particular conversation. But <laughs> no, maybe like an elephant, some things don't change. The scars are deep, Rafe. <laughs> I'll maybe talk about that monitor in, in a moment. Then the kind of the obvious cliche, the comfortable office chair, but also changing the location. So next to natural light. And actually, it's maybe a smaller tip, but one that people might not have thought about is I've been working on a MacBook Pro and with it elevated, suddenly the trackpad isn't so accessible. So I actually bought a standalone Magic trackpad and keyboard, which has probably been the biggest productivity boost in terms of, you know, not getting um, RSI Mm. or anything like that. It's been ergonomic. And just being able to use your regular gestures as you would on the touchpad has been a real boon, even more so when you're working across multiple monitors. And various bits of utility software that help manage some of that multiple window environment and things like that. So all of that has been, you know, working out how to make that a bit more comfortable, but also the smaller things like learning to take breaks, because being on video calls, whether that's Zoom Mm -hmm. or Teams for eight hours a day, I found quite tiring. So being more disciplined about that. I think it's all the things that people have been talking about, but in terms of 361, it's probably interesting to talk about the tech. So can yes. definitely recommend the Apple Magic Trackpad. That's a good thing. A good keyboard is a must. And then in terms of the monitor. Can I just interrupt, Rafe? Of course. Since you're glancing over the keyboard, I've bought a couple of and love Logitech MX keys. They're a little bit pricey, but they've got a bit more travel than the Apple keyboards in. They're nice chiclet style keyboards. They come with a dongle, so you can either plug it into a laptop and have it work over USB, or it can be Bluetooth. You can connect to three devices. Absolutely love it. I think I said last season that I had a little bit of early stages of RSI coming on and getting that external keyboard with the MX Master Mouse, which is the one that everybody recommends, the MX Master 3 mouse, has been brilliant for me. So if people are thinking, oh yeah, well, I I meant to get a decent keyboard for home, definitely check it out. 76 quid. Yeah. That is cheap compared to most Apple stuff, believe you me. Yeah, that would be 165 in the Apple store if it was an Apple product, wouldn't it? minimum it's definitely worth the money it's so nice it's basically it's like the old school apple keyboards which are mm, does look good chiclet style but with a slightly softer further travel yeah and it just it's reduced the stress so i mean there are lots of good keyboards out there and it depends on your preference but i had to jump in there because that was on my list mx keys logitech love it and it just hook up to everything like you know your pc your mac your mouse your ipad just so versatile and did you get the mx mouse as well then Yeah, so I got them as a set and I've actually got a couple of sets. So I have one in the office and one at home and they're so great, really like them. And I found, Rafe, that my RSI was being exacerbated by using the trackpad. So I switched it around a little bit. 
But uh, yeah, if people are looking for good keyboard and mice suggestions, then you can't go far wrong with the Logitech MX keys. Wow. Mm. Sorry, you were saying about your screen. Yes, tell us about the screen. Yeah, so as I said, went for a 4K one, which is definitely at the pricier end of the spectrum. But then it was sort of the knowledge that going to be working on it for, I think, quite a considerable amount of time. What size? What size? So I actually went for a 27-inch one, Mm. which was the HP Z27. There are various ones on the market. The reason I like this was partly it got a good review in terms of kind of color accuracy. It's actually the top pick from Wirecutter, which is a website we've referred to before. It's got all the connections you'd expect in terms of HDMI and DisplayPort, but it has also got USB-C, which can also power your MacBook. And that just means a few less cables on the desk, so things look a bit tidier. It's also got a USB 3.0 hub built into it. So if you are attaching other things, whether that's sort of dongles or accessories or being able to charge things easily, it was sort of a really good solution. And I've been very happy with it. And it's sort of the obvious thing is you can basically have two applications open side by side at the same time and still see everything very clearly and have all the information. And then you can sort of use the third screen, your laptop Mm. screen, as essentially another application. So if you're having Outlook, if you're using an Office document or Teams or whatever your preferred choice is. On a few occasions when kind of running workshops and doing things like that, I've also connected the iPad as a kind of third screen using Duet. You can use Sidecar as well, obviously. And it's interesting, it's because you're sitting at Mm. the same desk in front of the same equipment all the time rather than running around between meeting rooms. And that's just a reflection of the change in ways of working for me over the last month or so. But it has reminded me how nice it is to have a big screen to look at. So Mm. uh, it was a very good investment and I can definitely recommend the HP Z27. There are other perfectly good monitors out there. Some of the Dell ones are sort of well-reviewed. Blanford, £546, just for clarity. Yeah, I'd rather not dwell on that because I was looking at other options that were significantly cheaper than that. And in the end, I decided that this was going to have a significant impact on my productivity. And I'm very fortunate that I was able to make that decision. Yeah, I'm about to. So we're in the stage of just converting one of our spare rooms into an office properly. It's sort of been a place we've used as an office, but like kind of sat in the corner of a junk room effectively. So we're going to do that now because we both think that we're going to be working from home more frequently in the mm. foreseeable future. Regardless what happens, just it feels, it feels more likely over the long term. So we're going to do that. And I've been thinking a lot about buying a screen. I had a look on the wire cutter as well, because like you, Rafe, that's the first place I go for those kind of recommendations. I've sort of been thinking about getting one of those extra wide ones, which are curved round, which get a bit mm. expensive. I'd like to go and see one in the flesh because I don't know having a curved screen when you're trying to lay up documents or do presentations, whether that would be kind of cool or, or a bit weird. So I'm going to have a think about that. Well, let's hear from the listeners. That'd be very interesting to see. Yeah, have you got a curved one? What's your view? Yeah. Absolutely. I, like you, really want something where I can sort of plug everything into it and have it all work off the screen and leave the screen on the desk all the time. Just one more tip from me. You talked about the first step of getting the laptop lifted up so that you're not crouched over the desk all the time, which is excellent. I also had to do that earlier in the year for aches and pains and that kind of stuff. You should get a Roost laptop stand, R-O-O-S-T. It's a really nice fold-up, lightweight laptop stand, and I actually tend to carry it around with me for using in the office and stuff like that. But it's brilliant because it just lifts the laptop up. I've actually got it in front of me now. The top of the screen is just in line with my eyes. If you've got access to an external keyboard and mouse, it doesn't matter what the positioning is. Really nice, really lightweight and folds up into this sort of small bar into a sort of sliding case. Definitely the sort of thing that you could throw in the laptop bag and have every day. It's not on Amazon. It's not available on Amazon at the minute. You've got to order from their website. Oh, right. Okay. I'm trying to think where where I bought it from. Beware, there's a few knockoffs that, you know, sort of similar constructions and things. But I saw a friend who bought one and they have the same kind of design. They look the same, but they're not manufactured to the same standard. So pay the little bit extra, get the roost one. Mine's been knocked about, thrown in bags, used it nearly daily. It's absolutely great. And it just makes such a difference. And I've just got a 13 inch laptop in front of me, but lifting that screen up makes it much more comfortable to work Mm. on all day, every day. So Absolutely recommend that. Much Any tips it. from you, Ewan, on, on setting up the home office? I mean, apart from obviously, you know, sort of having it in a country where you can sort of stroll out your patio doors and luxuriate in the sunshine. Well, I'm just saying welcome because I have always, since uh, for quite 
you know, at least what, 15 years or so, I've always had dual screen 27 inches just because I've always, always, always valued the real estate of dual screens and then 27. And I've always used a brand called Hans G just because they're, they're incredibly reasonable. I think it's German. I don't know. Um, anyway, usually I get them from Amazon and I've carried these ones around for quite a while. I think it's time to do a Blanford here and, and, and get some new ones, but just be, I wanted, I think these were about a hundred and something pounds. They, they were a touch over a hundred, I think from memory. So I think at least one is important, but Jewel has been very, very useful for me over the years just to have that extra screen real estate. And then a lot of my colleagues here in Oman and uh, international, it's really important if you're at home to get a good internet connection. It's one of those things I think a lot of people, you know, I don't need that. I don't need a fast. I've got Netflix. You know, that's all I need. But really, when you're working from home, I think it is worth, if you can, investing for that extra you know, five, 10 pounds, sometimes a little more depending on the provider, just to get that higher throughput, Because especially when everyone's using the internet. So I think that's one thing I've been seeing a lot of my colleagues have been upgrading. And then think about the computer as well. You know, are you waiting for the computer? Another thing I, I like to work by is the moment I find I'm waiting for the computer to do something. It's time to think about an upgrade. Because the amount of time I've been you know, staring over the shoulder of a colleague and we're, we're, we're sitting there waiting for their personal laptop to do something. Yeah, it's sometimes four or five seconds. That adds up across the hour. So it might be worthwhile looking at the machine you're using as well. So we're out of time on home office stuff. We'll come back to it because I think there's more to be said here. But um, I just wanted to throw one more thing out as well. I, like you, picked home office, was frustrated that having completely, you know, Wi-Fi'd up the house and everything, the one room I'd chosen to stick my home office in was the one with the worst Wi-Fi reception because yes. never planned it that way around. I found a really cool yeah. way to take the Sky connection, so the coax cable in the wall that used to provide the Sky TV feed. I've uh, hooked that up and now that's providing me Ethernet. Oh, wow. I was getting Ethernet over coaxial cable. So I've bought some gizmos to do that and I'll talk about that in another episode. But if you're interested in trying to get decent internet into your house, particularly if you live in the UK and, and I think probably bits of America as well, where you know, sort of the, most houses built in the last 10, 15 years are absolutely got shed loads of wiring in the walls for TV, but <laughs> awful for data cabling and that kind of stuff. You can use coax cable for that with some little adapters. That's very impressive. And I'm talking to you yeah. now over it, which proves that it works. But we're out of time, so we'll come back to that. But I'm really pleased with myself. And I was just about to literally drill holes in walls and run cables and, and do something very intrusive that required wow. a redecoration. So delighted about that. Okay, you and McLeod, since we're talking to you, yes. you have moved into a new house and you were telling us that you are, well, look, I mean, we're already now, you know, world famous robot vacuum influencers. Well, you in particular, you are the influencer. Well, you know, I just want to share the love really, but you've branched out. I mean, I've been yes. evangelizing RoboRock. I think they're ace, particularly for hard floors, which most of the floors in our house are. But um, having gone to Oman, you've gone a different way. Uh, right. No. So yes and no. First of all, here in Oman, I haven't seen carpets, really. Rugs, but no carpets. So the place we've got is completely tile. And I thought, you know, this would be ideal for some robot vacuum cleaners. And I've left one in the UK. Plural. Did you get that, Rafe Blanford? He's flexing on the Blanford estate with the plural vacuum cleaners. No, well, just uh, upstairs and downstairs. I think it would be, yeah, I think there's good ROI. So I have ordered two Roborocks, the S5 Maxis. They are coming. I'm looking forward to that. But they're coming from China. And for the record, that is the correct choice, by the way, as well. S5 Max. Yes, I totally agree. Yes, money. Exactly. Very, very impressed in the UK. Now, I was using the equivalent of Deliveroo the other day here. Now, the Deliveroo equivalent, there's two. There's Akid and Talabat. And I was just ordering a salad from Nando's. There is Nando's here. A cheeky salad. A chicken Caesar salad, in case you're wondering. And up popped Anchor. And Anchor is a friend of the show. Is that that's right? I mean, I, I'm a massive Anchor fan. You guys are Anchor users, right? Not friends enough that they actually sponsor us or anything. Well, no, yes, no, we, no, we, love their, yeah, we love their products. We are friends yeah. to them. They're not friends to us. I, I don't think they know about us, but we're friends to them, right? We love it's a one-way Anchor, street. Right? Yes, yeah. exactly. And I thought, oh, oh. So I immediately thought, oh my gosh. So just as you would order food, Anchor is available on the Talabat store. So I browsed it. Immediately bought some USB cables because I'm, I'm in need. And they had a USB hub. Fantastic. That came within 19 minutes. Amazing. 19 minutes. 19 minutes. Wow. Right. Because it's food delivery, right? And, and of course, they don't have to wait for the USB cable to be cooked, right? <laughs> okay. So it's very quick. And it just it arrived. I, I, I was, oh my gosh, Anchor is here. Amazing. 
then I looked the next day and they'd expanded the stock. And wouldn't you know it, there was a Yuffie, right? So Anchor, I know Anchor as uh, USB hubs, USB cables, very good quality. Yep, chargers. Yep. Chargers, batteries, and, and so on. And their RoboVac 11S was there. So this store here in Oman is also selling the Roborock. I sat for about five minutes, did a quick Google, and went, yes, no. It was uh, 100 and something reals, so 200 pounds. Set your expectations. I think it's the Roborock 11S. I did some Googling, did some YouTube videos. Not Roborock. Uh, Robovac. 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 Okay. Yuffie Robovac. That's the name of this, this anchor product or anchor line. And what sold it to me is a YouTube video of a guy who, who said, this one, it doesn't have LiDAR. It doesn't have all the cool apps and stuff. It doesn't do Wi-Fi. It has a TV control, basically, right? That's how you control it. So you can literally, you can drive it like a remote control car. So the children, I thought, oh, that's why I bought it, basically. It's because I thought, oh, this will be great. Because you can actually stand there and from the remote control, you can command it to go that way. You're left, right, up and down, basically. And you can do the hoovering <laughs> from your sofa by driving it. Now, it's completely the opposite, if you like, in terms of tech for the, the Robo Rocks, where it's scanning and building a map. This one just goes off all over the place. I think it will be suited to a room. So I'm thinking of putting it in, in one of the master bedrooms because it doesn't seem to function that well. If you think this, this is a, a villa, so it's, it's very open plan. So that there are rooms, but not really. It's, it, it's got lost quite a lot of times. And I think the base station is infrared, I think. So basically, once it can't see the base station, it just wanders. And it's, it's randomly wandering, which is a little frustrating because I'm expecting it to behave the way the Roborock does, which is really, really pitch perfect, scanning everything. Yeah, and then, then it builds a map, and then it properly hoovers every little bit, right? Or vacuums every little bit. So it's good. I set my expectations. We use the remote a lot. You can, you can say, just go over here. Okay, now do the two meters here. And so it's, it's good. It's working nicely. But I think once the rubber rocks arrive, we'll put the Yuffie, this 11S, we'll put it into one of the rooms. But yeah, really pleased. I'm just amazed that arrived in about 20 minutes as well. Well, Ewan, all I can say is I'm impressed that it was five minutes of controlling your impulse to just mash the buy button. You actually watched a video. So Ben's obviously having a good influence on you. But what, what else did I do? What else did I do? I wrote a message to my true trusted colleagues on our special WhatsApp group and said, Roborock, question mark. And what did you say? I think Robovac. Ben responded first. Robovac, sorry, Robovac. I think Ben responded going, yes, okay, or something like that. That was within the five minutes. But by that time, you'd actually already bought it, hadn't you? No, no, that was why I waited. I waited and then, bang, done. Ordered. Amazing. It's worth saying that UFI is actually the kind of anchor brand for smart home. UFI. have a whole bunch of products across the smart home range from speakers to lights to vacuum cleaners and a few other bits and pieces as well. They've kind of done the same that they've done for the USB and computer accessory market in making things that are Mm. maybe not so much on the cutting edge, although some of their stuff is very good, but it's the kind of mass commoditization of some of these gadgets and at very accessible price points, as Ewan has discovered. Mm. If you're thinking about it, you know, set your expectations, you know, because there is a limited intelligence based on, you know, the Roborock is what, four, the S5 Max is 450, 500 pounds or 400 pounds or something. Yeah. I think it depends when you buy it. I think we picked ours up for sort of mid 300s, but you know you have to wait for a sale or something to come along. But yeah, yeah. You need to be paying probably between three and 400 pounds sterling to get the sort of devices with the LiDAR, the scanning, the intelligence on board to yes. do the maps. And yes. below that, you're going to get actually perfectly adequate cleaning, but it is going to be random direction finding just pinging about and it's going to have a slightly more basic cleaning mechanism but there's nothing mm. wrong with that because no, that, as you said like fantastic. you can put that yeah. in a space and just yeah. say do this you know yeah it passes the wife test she's delighted with it passes the children test i mean it does actually entertain them they, they keep putting um they, they've got a lego um uh, star wars thing in stuck it on top and they've been driving the ufi around we could do a rafe couldn't we we just <laughs> drive them around <laughs> well excellent and i'm very pleased that both of you have finally joined the robot vacuum cleaner party Although I will say, in talking of uh, first world problems, your robot vacuum cleaner, which you've scheduled to go off Monday, Wednesday, Friday while you're at work, suddenly interrupting your video call with three beeps as it rolls off the stand and starts vacuuming 
behind you has caused uh, a little bit of mirth amongst my colleagues who now believe that my robot vacuum cleaner is the equivalent to my pet cat because I refer to it quite affectionately when it has done said interruptions. What do you call it? It's called Kanga. Kanga. Oh, that's what you're talking about. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So our vacuum cleaner, RS5 Max, is called Robbie, Christian Bunner, oh. my son. And um, he was also one of our Easter Bunny clues this year. So James was going around finding all the clues to find his Easter eggs. And uh, one of the clues was on top of Robbie going around the kitchen and he had to sort of chase him down. But mm. actually mm. going back to the what's changed for at home, obviously like three of us at home eating three meals a day, you know, there's lots of, we're wearing the house a bit harder, you know, like we're in the kitchen, we're cooking a lot more meals and stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, definitely, Rafe, it's a first world thing, but it's been really great to just sort of walk out of a room and say, you know, hoover that mess up. So I'm still really keen on these. These are working really well. We redecorated our house. So we've only recently just moved back in and we've yeah. reorganized some of the furniture and all that kind of stuff. So I've sort of reset the map and I've been drawing all the, you know, the don't go in here and do go in there and that kind of stuff. And what started mm. off with being a vacuum that was just uh, went around our kitchen is now sort of doing the whole ground floor of our house. And like you, you and our place is fairly open plan, you know, that kind of stuff. So it happily sort of navigates around. But one of the key things we've done is on the map, stop dividing yes. them up on the rooms as the real estate agent would describe them. You know, don't divide it up into bedroom yes. and kitchen and that kind of stuff. Divide them up into areas. So we have an area where like we eat breakfast in the corner mm. of the kitchen and so the breakfast area and under the dining table and the cooking area because then we have those um, set to clean at different schedules and I can do them in individually and it also means that it's not getting under yeah. your feet you know by doing the whole house at the same time I think the thing we've realized as well is people expect these gizmos to just like you know turn it on and it's just going to keep your house perfectly clean it's not but it's just going to mean that you only need to you know sort of do a proper clean less regularly and again while we're home you know sort of trying to entertain a five-year-old and you know cook the meals and clean up and try and keep the house in some semblance of order. No, it's been absolutely great. What do you do about chairs? Because we have children and we have a two-year-old. There is a lot of stuff going on the floor and so on still, you know, not deliberately, but it does. So what we did in the UK is before we would go up to bath time, bedtime and everything, I would lift all the chairs up on the dining table, like, a bit like um, you see these, these restaurants at the moment, all these closed restaurants. I'd lift all the chairs up and then press go on the rubber rock then go up into bedtime. By the time you come back, it's done everything, you know, the whole big area done. Do you do that or what's your policy? So for the daily stuff, no, we just leave the legs down and it's slow, but it just navigates its way around and cleans up. And, you know, generally there's enough space between the legs that it can sort of get mostly clean. The mopping is different. So the one I'm so keen on, it's a very simple mop function, but it's a great kind of, you know, cheap way to access robot mopping as well. When we do the mopping, I just lift some of the chairs out of the way. But again, that's less regularly. And so it because you have to set up the mopping manually, fill up the water and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, you've right, done some right. prep anyway, so you might as well lift the chairs out of the way. But uh, it's one of those things where think of it as you do all the prep of the task that you would do, mm. but rather than then mopping the kitchen yourself, yes. you can then just get to walk away and do the rest of the task. You know, your only involvement is the setup. So I love it. We're out of time on, on robot vacuums, but I think we're still definitely a fan. I'm really delighted you've bought two because I know with the Roombas, Rafe, if you have the mop and the vacuum or if we have two vacuums you can lift them to different floors and they'll realize they're in different parts of the house and they can also synchronize their cleaning and there's lots of sort of clever integration when you have more than two devices and i just don't know how the robo rocks work certainly in the robo rock app there's place to have multiple robots but i don't know if there's any way to sort of have them build up one map or any of that kind of stuff so when you get them let us know yeah okay we'll do right we should move on final subject of the day Ray Blanford. We were talking about what have we been doing differently as a result of being home, coronavirus, and you and you were saying you've subscribed to Disney Plus? Yes, indeed, I have. And now, caught you out, mouthful of food, gotcha. Uh, no, uh, no, 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 it's uh, all good. Of course, we've all been hearing about Disney Plus for quite a while, I think, for the last couple of months, and especially if you're following Mandalorian, as I was keen to get a look at. I think I registered for the update, you know, please let me know when I can give you money, Disney update, and then they sent me a note saying, would you like this year for £49 rather than the usual price of whatever it is, 59 And I said, yes. So I subscribed ahead of time. The children have been very much appreciating Mandalorian. We've been sitting watching it with them. It's generally quite accessible, I think, for our children. Been enjoying that. And then uh, they discovered High School Musical. One of our children really, really, really likes that. It looks like a competent service, but what's interesting, I noticed, is their iApple TV app needs a bit of work. 
It's been annoying my children. It's really interesting. We have a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old, and they have zero tolerance for anything that doesn't quite work. I wonder where they got that from. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, okay. So I, yeah, fair, fair, fair point. But I think this even more magnified in this younger generation. Because uh, I think we'd press play on Jumanji or something. No, no, it was, it was a Disney Plus thing. And then there was an issue with it. It kind of crashed. But the audio kept playing. And then the, so they played it again. And then the video started playing, but the existing audio stream was still playing. They were furious. And I had to say, look, I, I think they haven't done the right UAT. Yeah, they've got some work to do, I, I would imagine. It was an Apple TV Disney Plus issue. So we had to just reset the whole thing. And I've had to do that three times now. So yeah, a bit of work needed there. Uh, it's not as seamless for the children as Netflix. Yeah. Do you have a lot of conversation about UAT periods with your children? Well, I, didn't, I haven't expected to, but I've having to explain, look, and they go, why didn't it work? The man needs to make it work. So he's 10 now, Rafe. He needs to learn these important facts of life. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because with uh, Disney Plus, I mean, on all of these services, kind of content is the key differentiator. And it's now getting to the point where it's quite annoying having to subscribe to lots of services. And yes. we've talked about the bundling and unbundling of content related to this and how it feels like a bit of a repeat of you know, cable channels and everything else. But what's also interesting for me for Disney, because they've had multi-year agreements for some of their movies and mm. some of the things, the timeline and the presence or absence of content is you know, quite mixed and challenging at the moment. There's various episodes that have been removed as well because they may be... Um, not quite in time with modern times. Mm. The one that I've also noticed, which I would imagine is a commercial decision, is in the UK, the Rise of Skywalker, Star Wars Episode Nine came out this Easter weekend. That's right. Yet it wasn't on Disney+. Plus. You had to buy it. And I said, oh, fine, I'll buy it because I had subscribed to Disney+, Plus as well, because I'm kind of curious about the service. And there's mm. a lot of content on there between Star Wars, Marvel, but also other content as well. Snow White. Mary Poppins, my particular favourite. But there is definitely, I'd agree, a bit of a gap there on some of the UI. It's not quite as slick as Netflix or Amazon Prime, but it does feel like those are going to be the big three because of the amount of content they have. Yeah. I go back to that bundling and unbundling point. We're not Disney Plus subscribers because we don't need to be yet. With only one child and he's not watching that much TV yet. BBC's just updated their iPlayer for people who are inside the UK with the new children's mode. They were going to do that anyway, but they brought that release forward because obviously there's a lot of kids at home mm. and they've absolutely flooded the platform with anything they can possibly get back catalogue-wise. There's loads of stuff wow. on there. that that's great. And I don't know if they've actually negotiated additional rights or they had it. Presumably they've released stuff you know, to sort of maintain an interest and a flow through the platform and they've just dumped it all out there. But there's a huge amount of content, that and Netflix. We're not short of stuff that's to his taste at the moment. But I am kind of thinking, well, We've got iPlayer, which obviously we don't pay for, but you have a TV license, I suppose, which sort of funds. And you've got Prime, which again, we sort of don't pay for. So we kind of grudgingly paid for Netflix because there were some shows on it that I wanted to watch. And I'm just thinking, because we watch so little TV, we perhaps watch two or three shows. Let's say we might watch two shows a night. You know, like I don't want to subscribe to three or four platforms in order to get that choice of shows. You know, at the moment, again, we're finding plenty of stuff, but then I don't know, as he gets older, he'll want to watch some of that Disney stuff. Because you say, Rafe, that back catalogue is, you know, kind of that's half of our childhood locked up inside the Disney back catalogue there. Mm. Basically, you will be subscribing. I think we'll have to eventually, but it's weird value. Because also, to me, Netflix is nearly everything. Now, I appreciate their content library isn't very deep, but it's kids stuff. It's all the American shows that I like. It's some of their, I love uh, quite a lot of the Netflix original content Mm. is really good. And some of the people that they're, supporting to make new content would be kind of artists I would like anyway, that Mm. kind of stuff. I mean, Charlie Brooker's Black Mirror, for example, has Mm. gone to Netflix and has gone, you know, much higher budget and love that. But then sort of thinking, oh, do we want to pay the same amount of money again a month for access to stuff that is just kids, essentially, you know? So it's it's going to be interesting. I wonder how many platforms we're going to end up subscribed to and why can't Netflix just give me a sort of slightly higher rates subscription where I can just say, yeah, include the Disney stuff, you mm-hmm. know, and add mm-hmm. that to the catalogue. I'm surprised that they've built out their own platform because it feels like they could sell through other people's stores perhaps more effectively. Rafe, no doubt you've got a view on this. I'm just being too consumer centric, you know. What's the benefit for them of having their own apps? 
not just selling it through Netflix or Sky or, I mean, the non-UK equivalents? I mean, ultimately, it's about having a bigger portion of the subscriber pie and getting more money. Because obviously with Netflix, they effectively have to give up a portion of the revenue to Netflix. Whereas I think having the control over that completely means they get to keep it all. But I think there's also probably going to be a certain element around the data in terms of understanding what people are watching, how long they engage for something on what they're skipping through. And Netflix is famously data-driven in the way it commissions new programming and quite often comes up with some unexpected choices around combining. I mean, I think um, Stranger Things, the kind of combination of 70s, 80s TV with horror was something that came out of the Netflix algorithms. And I suspect Disney will be looking at that very closely because they spend a lot of money on understanding how cinema audiences work. Of course, you can pick up this stuff on smart TVs or any of these channels through which it's available, including what episodes are popular, what people choose to skip over, what they choose to rewatch, and all those kind of things. So I'm sure it's driven by both data insight and revenue optimization. And that will then allow them to invest more content or more money in new content. So it becomes something of a virtuous circle. They want to own as much of the ecosystem as possible. And that's been the tactic of Disney in the last few years in terms of they've expanded into, you know, Star Wars, Marvel and some of the other franchises and really gone after them. I think the really interesting about Disney in particular is they also have quite big investments in live events. So obviously through ESPN and some of their sports networks, they've got significant coverage all across there. So if I look at it longer term, I think this is a significant threat to Netflix and to a certain extent Amazon Prime, because I think for some households, Disney Plus will become the first choice. And it's really interesting to see what happens with the live events in particular and how that changes. Am I a bit backwards thinking about Disney Plus being a thing for kids then? Yes. I think that is fair enough in the primary audience at the moment, but given the depth of the Disney catalogue, you know, the acquisition of Fox in particular, and so you'll see things like The Simpsons, there's heavy Mm. Star Wars, heavy Marvel content, you know, things like Avatar, a lot of the big tentpole movies are on there. It's a lot of what I might describe as mainstream content, which is focused around family-friendly entertainment. So Netflix still has more of the kind of niche content. It obviously has some of the big productions from international companies as well. And it's a deeper catalogue, frankly, because Disney is still relatively small in that it would not be on the realms of possibility to watch everything on it and then wonder what you're going to watch next, which is why they're making investments in things like Mandalorian, High School Musical, and they're starting to also go after some of the documentary-based stuff. I mean, Mm. their ownership of Discovery obviously has implications there as well. but also the living channel where they're doing cooking at Disney theme parks and having your wedding at Disney theme parks. I mean, if you look at the overall model, it's pretty fascinating about how they're tying together the different types of content in terms of what I call film and TV media, but also books, the events that they have at Disney parks and related things, kind of the experiential stuff, and then getting into the kind of live coverage and they own a lot of the channels. So the scary numbers, if you then look at cinema as well, they own lots of stuff. So it's definitely a strong play there at the moment. And Disney Plus is kind of, oh, I'm kind of surprised it took them that long in one sense. Yeah, I suppose I've got a very one-dimensional view of it, but I'm also curious now for listening to what you were saying and thinking, oh, okay, right, so Disney is going to be this vast catalogue. I'm curious where that leaves Apple TV because I saw Netflix as the place where I got nearly everything I wanted to watch, be it children or adults or whatever. And then I was thinking, oh, maybe Apple Plus is going to be kind of where I go for that really premium content, the stuff that I can't get anywhere else. Mm. And so, oh no, that Disney looks like they're busy locking up loads of those big brands. So Apple TV, I've seen a few adverts for their own shows and a few of them look interesting, but unless I'm getting it free with my devices, I'm not sure I'm ready Mm. to subscribe for a whole nother subscription service to access a content catalogue that's less compelling than Netflix and Disney. Yeah. It's hard to see what will happen there, but Apple and Apple TV do quite a good job of bringing in other people's content from your other subscriptions. Yeah. And I think with the hardware they've got to go with that as well, that will be a continuing pattern for them. So the key question is like, how much do they need to invest in their own content to be part of the players? I'm not an expert here, so it really remains to be seen. 
But I think in terms of the bundling, unbundling, it is weird just how much like it is cable and subscription TV. Mm. And I suspect the thing will be people will have subscriptions to multiple catalogues of content. And then there'll be a bit of a fight over who owns the interface to that. And having seen that kind of happen in the satellite and cable TV space, and people often, you know, chose something like Sky or a cable TV provider, partly because they didn't have much choice, but the way the EPGs brought that together, that's going to look very different in a world where the content is completely available on demand pretty much mm. any time. We're still going to have the big events, and it's noticeable that The Mandalorian is being released episode by episode, despite now being fully available in the States. But they did the same thing in the States, so there is still that kind of event-type TV that gets launched and talked about on a week-by-week basis, and that generates buzz. Well, it's got to keep the value as well, right? If you only bought it for The Mandalorian. Is that going to apply to everything? Yeah, how does that work? Really interesting space to watch. We'll come back to it in a future episode. Can I then just, uh, come on, guys, recommendations then. So Mandalorian for me, I think that's been, uh, it's, the only irritating thing is so far the guy hasn't taken his helmet off. That's just annoying me, but I'm quite enjoying it. What recommendations have you got? Well, from Disney Plus, Lady and the Tramp, the live action version, like dogs. Well, <laughs> okay, thank you. Like dogs. <laughs> also, it made me cry when I saw the original animation. Oh, that's nice. So Blanford likes dogs. Um, what, what have you been? So as you can tell, I've been heavy into childcare. So if you are trying to entertain small people at the moment, get into BBC's iPlayer if you can. And Julia Donaldson, who is the person who is behind the Gruffalo that most people yes. will know, a whole bunch of animated stories. The Snail and the Whale, I think yes. it's called. We watched yesterday and uh, Room on the Broom and this sort of Room stuff. Room on the Broom. Have they got the smartest giant in town? Is that animated yet? We haven't made it that far, but okay. certainly the Gruffalo series and all those, they yeah. are gorgeous, lovely to watch as an adult. I mean, they're pitched at children, but not something you're going to dislike as an adult. Yeah. And it's given us a half an hour of quality family TV time. And I don't think those things are actually available on any of the other services. And, and again, like I say, at the moment, we're still mostly watching stuff just through the BBC. And that's not because we prefer it. It's essentially because when we sit there and go, right, I've got an hour to watch before we go to bed. You know, like we don't struggle to find things we want to watch on there. Okay. I'm curious. I've seen some adverts for shows I quite like on Apple TV, so we might have to branch out. But uh, for now, the BBC is providing some amazing stuff. And uh, like I say, that that content, it feels a little bit like Christmas, you know, where they release all the good stuff and it's all available all the way through. Mm. So we've run out of time on that one. We were going to talk about some other stuff we were doing whilst we were in lockdown slash isolation at the moment. Rafe, I really wanted to talk to you about going outside. <laughs> Because I can. No, no. I want to talk to you about going outside because I know that uh, you like to roam the uh, roam across your lands in Sussex. And um, me and the boy have been doing some walking recently, but more crucially, we've been going exploring, finding all the local footpaths and going and sort of uh, tromping through the forests and across the fields. We're very lucky to have access to fields here. So we've been trying to go and do our daily exercise, you know, sort of not up and down the street, but, you know, kind of across the place. And I realised it's been years since I've tried to look up where the footpaths go or, you know, any recommendations for walking or cycling routes and those kinds of things to try and make that hour of exercise a bit more fun. So we'll talk about the next show. If anyone's got any recommendations for how to sort of make the most of that outside time, I'd really be keen to hear it. We're in a very privileged position here. I know a lot of people won't have access to good outside space, but for those of us that live outside of the big cities and you know, kind of haven't really explored where we live or haven't really sort of uh, made the most of where we live. We've been trying to do that. And uh, like I say, we found ourselves, you know, kind of very rural, very quickly within a five minute walk of where we were. And, you know, seeing some animals or walking over a bridge or going through the forest has really cheered the boy up when, you know, we can't go to the park and do all those usual things that we do Mm. to entertain him. So coming up in a future show, let's have your recommendations. 361podcast.com, at 361podcast on Twitter. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure mm. to speak to you. Likewise, likewise. Absolutely. I'm going to invest in a little bit better illumination. I've just realised that I've... It's gone very dark. I've sat here in an entirely dark room, illuminated <laughs> only by my laptop screen, because I, I didn't want to turn the light on, because I'm, I'm sat in the upstairs window looking out over the neighbours, and I thought, oh, you know, it'd be weird for them to look in the window, because we haven't got curtains up in this room yet. <laughs> I'll leave the lights <laughs> off. Here I am trying to touch type messages while we're going on. So thank you, everyone, for all the kind comments around last season. Thank you to Mark, who made us sound buttery smooth. Oh, something else we're going to be talking about later this season, guys, I forgot to tell you. All the shows and radio productions and TV that's being produced from home as TV producers and presenters have to work at home. Some amazing, interesting tech 
but also, and forgive me a moment blowing around trumpet here, some of those shows don't sound as buttery smooth as Mark makes us sound. Hey. So, yeah. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. And Rafe as well with his microphone. Well, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Top class stuff there, Rafe. Exactly. Well, I will also have to say, Mark, please don't break into the secret cabin underneath the Blanford Estate. Well, not really for you, but um, <laughs> I did appreciate the bonus bit we had at the end of the last episode of the season. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, I would uh, strongly recommend it. it. It's probably my favourite bit of audio content in the last 12 months. Did the Blanford family enjoy that, by the way? They absolutely did, yeah. Uh, they? Yeah. Yes, you finally get to hear what Mark sounds like, and he's permanently that exasperated, so fair play to him. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we will be talking about both how shows are producing from home, but also how podcasters and people working from home can get decent quality audio, video, that kind of stuff as well, because it's not just for podcasters anymore. It's uh, more important if you're doing calls and working from home. Anyways, we have run well over. Lots of love. Thank you very much for listening. We will be back soon. Bye-bye. is season 18 episode one and this week i've socially distanced we've kitted out our home offices and we talk about disney plus i think that's good what do you reckon rafe yeah ewan's gonna enjoy the fact he's done it in one take one take that wasn't even a take that was before but i'm gonna make you do it again anyway because i want you to be a bit more high energy thanks for that hello and welcome to 361 you modulate your voice (laughs) (laughs) okay all right right, right. you have to be quite mindful of the fact there's a lot of people who are living on their own. I'm adding video conference apps, best video conference apps for different types of circumstances. Yeah, that's a good one. I've been having to tell all my colleagues, look, please, please, please put a headset on because we're still doing all that kind of, you know. Oh, how the worm has turned. <laughs> Did I tell you we just bought a dog? Okay. Yeah, we just bought a dog and he can do magic tricks. Uh, yeah, go on. He's a labracadabrador. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Next. <laughs> Thanks for that. You people. Just, I don't know why I bother. <laughs> Neither do I. Okay, lots of love then. <laughs> On that bombshell. <laughs> used to sitting in three different rooms entirely on our own anyway, so podcasting is probably coronavirus friendly, apart from the fact that I've had to go downstairs and issue threats. If you flush the toilet in the next half an hour, I'm coming for you. So there's a small child in our house who now understands about keeping entirely quiet.